Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we vibrate weird and wonderful science into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, sound implants, sunny appetites, superworms and fake cannibalism. First up, here's a new way to stop tumours. Electromagnetic anti-cancer implant powered by ultrasound. Researchers at Sun Yat-sen University in Shenzhen, China, have developed a new treatment to stop brain cancer returning after tumours have been removed. They've developed an implantable device that produces an alternating electric field that stops cancer cells from reproducing without causing any problems in healthy brain cells. Their device is powered by ultrasound energy beamed from outside the skull So they call the device UPTTD, an ultrasound-powered tumour-treating device. Brain surgery to remove tumours is famously difficult. Most patients don't live for more than five years after surgery because the cancer grows back. The alternating electric field prevents cellular proteins with a strong electric charge from moving to where they need to be in the cell to be copied when the cell reproduces. In cells attempting to divide, this triggers the cells to die instead of reproducing, stopping the tumour's growth and spread. This method, using external electrodes, has been approved by the US Food and Drug Administration for treating glioblastoma multiform, a type of aggressive brain cancer. The rapidly reproducing cells of cancer are more susceptible to being disrupted by the alternating electric fields within a certain frequency band. So normal neurons are not affected very much. Unfortunately, this method has problems getting the alternating electric fields where they're needed in the brain, because the skull massively reduces the electric field. This can be overcome by making an ultra-thin chip-sized implantable device, powered without the need for wires or battery by ultrasound beamed from outside the skull. Ultrasound doesn't travel very far into the body, so there's less chance that it could cause harm. The device has a triboelectric converter to turn the mechanical sound waves into electricity. The device has a tiny, soft, thin membrane designed to last. The frequency and intensity of the electric fields are controlled by the frequency and intensity of the ultrasound beamed at the implant from outside the skull. If the frequency is too low, then the electric fields are ineffective. If the frequency is too high, it can disrupt healthy brain cells. The implant was tested in rats with induced brain cancer, where they found that after a week of treatment, the tumours in treated rats were 78% smaller than in the control rats. This is despite the fact that the researchers implanted the device outside the skull, because the tiny size of the rats' heads made brain surgery just a bit too difficult. 
They expect a much improved effect in the future when they will be implanting the device inside the skull. For the best effect and least side effects, the device should be implanted as close as possible to the damaged site where the tumour was removed. The researchers looked for damage caused by ultrasound waves heating the brain, inflammation responses and behavioural changes, but found no problems. In the follow-up experiments, the researchers plan on implanting the device under the skull and treating different types of brain cancer. The paper was titled An Implantable Ultrasound-Powered Device for the Treatment of Brain Cancer Using Electromagnetic Fields and was published in the journal Science Advances. Eat my son! Researchers from Tel Aviv University in Israel have discovered that skin exposure to ultraviolet radiation from the sun makes men, but not women, seek out and eat food and gain weight. In 3,000 people tracked throughout a whole year, exposure to ultraviolet B light made only men hungry. We learned in 1928 that ultraviolet light can cause cancer, so people have generally been advised to avoid it as much as possible. However, it turns out that exposure to ultraviolet radiation can extend life expectancy, due to protection against heart disease and other causes of death. Exposure to the sun's rays increases liver metabolism, which protects the liver from hepatocellular lipotoxicity and metabolic disease. Previously, these benefits were attributed to the skin making vitamin D on exposure to ultraviolet radiation. However, two recent large-scale clinical trials have shown that vitamin D alone is not associated with reduced risk of cardiovascular disease, invasive cancer, and all-cause mortality. But we don't yet know the true mechanism. Ultraviolet light from sunlight also improves our mood. In both mice and humans, an increased appetite is correlated with increased levels of the peptide ghrelin circulating in the blood. Ghrelin levels are at their lowest after a meal. Ghrelin enhances learning and has anti-anxiety effects. Neuroprotective functions anti-inflammatory properties, halts heart muscle wasting, and decreases blood pressure. So it's not all about your appetite. Ultraviolet B radiation UVB directly stimulates the production of ghrelin in the layer of fat under your skin through P53 gene transcription. The researchers genetically engineered mice to lack the P53 gene and found that in these knockout mice, the increased hunger response to ultraviolet B was missing. In female mice and female humans, the hormone estrogen interferes with the P53 chromatin interaction on the ghrelin promoter in the fat tissue under the skin. This blocks the production of extra ghrelin in response to ultraviolet B radiation exposure from the sun. The result is that female mice and female humans don't have the extra urge to seek out food and eat it that men do. They just have their normal appetite. Research has shown that music, light and odour can increase ghrelin secretion and make you hungry. So restaurant ambiance is a real thing. The 3,000 people in the study were aged 18 to 55. So we don't know whether women who have gone through menopause and have a different amount of estrogen than younger women are affected differently by ultraviolet light. The researchers believe that light therapies may help men with appetite loss. Ultraviolet B light exposure has been shown to induce beta endorphin production and reduces anxiety-like behaviour, which might be why the sun feels so good, if you're not exposed to it for too long. If you're a man trying to lose weight, 
lathering yourself in sunscreen might stop your appetite increasing in the sun and lower your risk of melanoma, but you'll lose the health benefits. The paper was titled Food-Seeking Behaviours Triggered by Skin Ultraviolet Exposure in Males and was published in the journal Nature Metabolism. Superworms! Researchers at the University of Queensland in Australia have discovered that the common Zophobus morio superworm can eat through polystyrene plastic, thanks to a bacterial enzyme in their gut. Superworms are the larval stage of the darkling beetle. The team fed superworms different diets over a three-week period, with some given polystyrene foam, some bran and others put on a fasting diet. The superworms fed a diet of just polystyrene not only survived, but even gained a little weight. The researchers used a technique called metagenomics to find several encoded enzymes with the ability to degrade polystyrene and styrene, also known as styrofoam. Superworms are like mini recycling plants, shredding the polystyrene with their mouths and then feeding it to the bacteria in their gut. The breakdown products from this reaction can then be used by other microbes to create high-value compounds such as bioplastics. The team will next grow the gut bacteria in the lab and further test its ability to digest polystyrene. The team's long-term goal is to engineer enzymes to degrade plastic waste in recycling plants through mechanical shredding, followed by enzymatic biodegradation. Perhaps if you feed the engineered bacteria to the superworms, you could farm them to digest all kinds of plastics and not have to design and build giant mechanical shredders? Or would that need giant mechanical worms? The paper was titled Insights into Plastic Biodegradation, Community Composition and Functional Capabilities of the Superworm Zophobus morio Microbiome in Styrofoam Feeding Trials and was published in the journal Microbial Genomics. Crabbot Researchers at Northwestern University in Illinois in the United States have built a crab-shaped robot that can bend, twist, crawl, walk, turn, and even jump, despite being just half a millimetre wide. The researchers also developed millimetre-sized robots resembling inchworms, crickets, and beetles. The tiny robots can walk with an average speed of half its body length per second. In 2021, the team produced a winged microchip that was the smallest ever human-made flying structure. The researchers use a shape memory alloy material that transforms to its remembered shape when it's heated. In this case, the researchers used a scanned laser beam to rapidly heat the robot at different targeted locations across its body. A thin coating of glass elastically returns that corresponding part of the structure to its deformed shape when it's cooled. As the robot changes from one phase to another, deformed to remembered shape and back again, it moves. So it's heated and it cools. And because it's little, it happens quickly. Not only does the laser remotely control the robot to activate it, the laser scanning direction also determines the robot's walking direction. Scanning from left to right, for example, causes the robot to move from right to left. But these structures are so tiny, the rate of cooling is very fast. In fact, reducing the sizes of the robots allows them to run faster. The team fabricated precursors to the walking crab structures in flat planar geometries. Then they bonded these precursors onto a slightly stretched rubber substrate. 
When the stretched substrate is relaxed, a controlled buckling process makes the crab pop up into a precise three-dimensional form, just like a child's pop-up book. The paper was titled Submillimeter Scale Multi-Material Terrestrial Robots and was published in the journal Science Robotics. You're listening to Ian Wolf on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. This final story is not one for people with weak stomachs. Fake cannibalism is an idea that just won't die. The advantage of selling plant-based food claiming to taste like human flesh is that you can't call them on it because how do you know what human flesh really tastes like? And it's vegetarian. So other than deliberately normalising the idea of eating humans while cultivating the taste for human flesh in customers, what could possibly go wrong? The innovators were Hufu in 2005, claiming to sell textured tofu that was flavoured like human flesh. Supposedly, like beef, only more sweet and tender. The initial stock of 140 boxes of Hufu Classic Strips sold out in just two days, but the t-shirts were the real sellers. The website said Hufu was the healthy human flesh alternative for cannibals who want to quit, as well as a product for anthropology students studying cannibalism. They also claimed to be a great convenience food for cannibals. No more Friday night hunting raids. Stay home and enjoy the great healthy taste of Hufu. The Frequently Asked Questions file on the website said cannibalism might seem wrong to your heteronormative Judeo-Christian culture, but who are we to judge the Aztecs or the indigenous cultures of Papua New Guinea? Hufu founder Mark Knuckles claimed that the concept of Hufu occurred to him when he ate a tofu-based fake turkey-flavoured sandwich while reading Good to Eat, Riddles of Food and Culture, a book on cannibalism by anthropologist Marvin Harris. The Hufu website, which is preserved on the Internet Archive's Wayback Machine, offered articles on famous cannibals and cultural traditions, merchandise and recipes. Hufu stroganoff, lector's liver with fava beans and Aztec human stew for anyone who wants to vicariously participate in one of the great Aztec customs, the Human Sacrifice Festival. Before the site was closed in 2006, they advertised a second vegetarian meat substitute product, Baby Seal Veal of the Sea. And here's a little grab from Mark Knuckles' interview with Samantha B on The Daily Show. Hufu is tofu that is textured and flavored to resemble human flesh. I think that for most of our customers, this is really an opportunity to experience the um, very fascinating, very compelling practice of cannibalism. So it's like having sex with someone who's wearing a mask with your sister's face on it. Fast forward to 2020. And there was a completely different take on cannibalism. Roborous, a concept for a kit offering to let you grow what is literally your own steak. Cultured meat based on cells from your own body. Not only was this not technically cannibalism because the meat was cultured, but the cells were yours. 
but because it was just a concept product, it didn't really exist outside of an art gallery. The purpose of the artwork was to question the ethics of the cultured meat industry. Ouroboros steak could be grown by the diner at home using their own cells, which are harvested from the inside of their cheek and fed serum derived from expired, donated blood. The resulting bite-sized pieces of meat, currently on display as prototypes at the Beasley Designs of the Year exhibition, are created entirely without causing harm to animals. The creators argued that this cannot be said about the growing selection of cultured meat made from animal cells. Despite the lab-grown meat industry claiming to offer a more sustainable, cruelty-free alternative to factory farming, the process still relies on fetal bovine serum as a protein-rich growth supplement for animal cell cultures. Many cow fetuses and pregnant cows are slaughtered for this blood serum. It's more expensive and crueler than growing cattle. You really can't grow muscle without blood to feed, oxygenate and provide growth hormones and remove wastes. Many advocates and businesses have sworn for the last 20 years that artificial blood to feed cultured meat will be available any month now. But it turns out to be a very difficult thing to ask for. No independent peer-reviewed scientific studies have validated any of these claims. This is why we don't see artificial blood in hospital emergency rooms. Ouroboros steak, named after the ancient symbol of the snake eating its own tail, cuts out the need for other animals by drawing exclusively on human blood and cells. The version on display at London's Design Museum was made using human cell cultures, which can be purchased for research and development from the American Tissue Culture Collection. They were fed with human serum derived from expired blood donations that would otherwise have been discarded or incinerated. Bite-sized steaks are preserved in resin and laid out on a plate complete with a placemat and silverware as a nod to American diner culture. As part of the do-it-yourself kit, the team envisioned users collecting cells from the inside of their own cheek using a cotton swab and depositing them onto pre-grown scaffolds made from mushroom mycelium. For around three months, these are stored in a warm environment such as a low-temperature oven and fed with human serum until the steak is fully grown. Expired human blood is a waste material in the medical system and is cheaper and more sustainable than bovine fetal blood, but culturally less accepted. And for Halloween 2021, commercial plant-based human meat substitute rose from the grave with a Swedish company called Oomph, selling human meat plant-based burgers from a food truck. The idea came from an ad agency in Madrid called Lola Malanlao, and Oomph which probably produced the world's first fake human meat burger, assuming nobody made a burger from Hufu. In case you are still bothered by the name, the meat is made with soy, mushroom, wheat protein, plant-based fats, and a proprietary spice mix. No humans were injured in the development of this product. At home, we turn plants into any mouth-watering meat you can imagine. This Halloween, we bring you the scariest plant-based food ever. Plant-based human meat. So be scared. But relax. Because it's plant-based. The human meat plant-based burger. Do you dare to taste it? Only available this Halloween. Because otherwise, it would be creepy. Oomph was awarded the Silver Brand Experience and Activation Lion for their ads at the Cannes Lion Festival. 
The fake human meat burger is no longer available, but Oomph are still using it to advertise their other plant-based meat substitute products. This hamburger is the most scary thing I've done in my whole life. My name is Ankan, I'm a co-founder of Oomph, and yes, I'm the chef behind the human meat plant-based burger. <laughs> At Oomph, we actually make cool and delicious plant-based food. And we can make Oomph taste like any meat you can ever imagine. This Halloween, we have challenged ourselves. We have stepped it up in the most scary thought. We have actually never taste the real human meat. That's for me, it's too crazy too. Uh, so what we have done, we have researched a lot. I went into the, to my kitchen and start to see how close I could come. And then we have soy protein, mushrooms, wheat protein, some starch and some secret spicing that we cannot tell the world. So it's a good burger. I think people are gonna be curious a little disgust and uh, afraid and that's the whole purpose right hey guys it's just plant-based so it's nothing dangerous but the thought that's i think people are going to be uncomfortable with so we see how much guts they have <laughs>also in Halloween 2021, the vegan cannibal restaurant chain opened in New York and Los Angeles by canned water brand Liquid Death. At the Vegan Cannibal Steakhouse by Liquid Death, we believe that eating people is unethical and unnecessary. That's why we're proud to serve you and your family the world's finest plant-based, cruelty-free human meat. Because we believe you should eat what you love. Try our New Yorkerless strip steak, guiltless grilled rack of Sam, or our manless meatballs and marinara. Our human-inspired menu tastes so much like real human. After just one bite, you'll be waiting for the police to arrive. <laughs> so indulge in the dining experience so authentic, even non-vegan cannibals will love it too. The Vegan Cannibal Steakhouse, where nobody gets killed. Available exclusively on Postmates. Seriously. Find out how to order at liquiddeath.com slash vegan cannibal. Bon appetit. It compares the letter you write with a letter you first showed it. And as it gets more and more information about what is called a W, for example, it is more and more able, better able to make a judgment about whether the letter that's being written on the screen is, in fact, a W or not. Let's see. Okay, Larry, let's read in the program again. Well, at least I know what a program is. A program's the rules you want the computer to follow. Well, if the computer is this important, why haven't I heard more about it? Well, the computer is a relatively new thing, and we're just really getting an appreciation for the full range of its usefulness. Many people think it's going to spark a revolution that will change the face of the earth almost as much as the first industrial revolution did. Can machines think? I mean by that uh, thinking, uh, that process we try to avoid when we have a problem to solve. If you look carefully, the artwork from last week and on into the future, depending on how my sources of photos and other things go, it was generated by Mini Dali, which is one of those artificial intelligence generational adversarial neural networks. What it does is you put in some text describing something you want to see, 
and the software turns the text into what the software guesses you were trying to say. You get multiple attempts, and then you can pick the best ones to use. So last week I had the story on Dr. Berger, and of course the story about standing on one leg. So I got it to generate a picture of Dr. Berger standing on one leg. We've got a story about superworms this week. I might manage to generate some art about that. I'm using the free apps at replicate.com that run on their very fast GPU-based servers. Have a look online. It's amazing technology, and it's only getting bigger. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Are you a scientist, artist, biohacker or maker who'd like to be interviewed about your work? Would your company like to sponsor Diffusion? Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. Please subscribe to the Diffusion Science Radio channel on youtube.com slash c slash diffusionradio and rate the show on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. The news music was Rhinos Theme by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 28 stations on the community radio network, including Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM in New South Wales, 8 Triple C in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2 MVR in Nambucca Valley. 3MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia, City Park Radio 7LTN in Launceston, Tasmania, and 2XXFM in Canberra. Diffusion is narrowcast on Indigo FM 88 in northeast Victoria. Diffusion is syndicated globally on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com That's www.diffusionradio.com and check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, you can explore more than a thousand previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Make a donation through paypal.me slash ianwolf or Join my patrons at patreon.com slash diffusionradio. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the Earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick, everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man, knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits photography, collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.